When it comes to learning to tune EFI, it can be a challenging industry to break into, particularly if you want to make it as a professional engine tuner. We're here with Devon from Boost and Performance, who is no stranger to high-performance engine management systems. In particular, Devon's well-known for their Red Demon, which currently holds the Mitsubishi four-wheel drive drag racing world record with a 704 at 204 mile an hour. More impressively, it's also gone as quick as 215 mile an hour in the quarter. Welcome to High Performance Academy's Tuned In Field Report podcast series. In these special midweek episodes, we look back through our archives to find the best conversations we've had through years worth of attending the best automotive events across the globe. We've pulled the audio from these tech-filled interviews with some of the industry's most well-known figures and presented it in podcast format for you to enjoy as a quick hit of insider knowledge. Devon, before you ever got to a point of tuning seven-second flat four-cylinder engines, you obviously had to cut your teeth on something a little bit simpler. I want to delve back into your background a little bit. Uh, how did you start learning how to tune engines? Well, it's, it started you know, with my first car when I was 16. It was an 89 Dodge Daytona Shelby. And back then, you know, we had some really primitive ways of tuning. You had like a map sensor clamp. And we had fuel pressure and some bigger injectors, and that's basically where I got started. But before you got into that, do you have a background in mechanics, or is this just a hobby for you at this point? Uh, well, at this point, it was just a hobby. You know, my dad always did all the work on his own cars in the garage, and I was always there with him. And then once I got my own vehicle and started modifying it, um, I figured out that I really, really love this stuff. Now, it, it is quite difficult, particularly back then when uh, access to information on the internet wasn't quite so prevalent. It's quite difficult to, to find out information about what to do. So how did you go about figuring out about these map clamps and, and things? Sure. Uh, well, there was a local group, SDAC, which is like a Shelby Dodge club, and we would all go to the track and meet up and basically share ideas there. And, you know, just uh, when one guy would do it, it would work, kind of, you know, we would all do it, so... And moving on from there, you obviously got a little bit more involved in the industry. So how did it go from a, a bit of a hobby to something that you've turned into a profession and a successful workshop? Well, it, it didn't happen quickly. You know, we, um, we got a DSM, our, our 95 talent that we're, we're kind of known for, the red car. And we used to do a lot of street racing with the car, and we had a lot of success doing that. And people saw that, and my friends started asking me to tune their cars, and uh, from there, it just, you know, I had more and more people ask me to tune their cars, and I thought about it and said, hey, you know, maybe this is something I can actually do. And uh, that's kind of how that got started. So at this stage, you're just 100% self taught, and you're just doing this by trial and error? Yep. Yeah, I didn't work at a shop, or, you know, I wasn't um, working on, you know, these cars professionally. I had a whole separate full time job that I was doing, and, you know, this was just a hobby, and that was it. And were you using a dyno for your tuning, or is this purely out on the road as well? Uh, on the street. We were on the street. We were risking it all, which looking back at it probably wasn't a good idea, but, I mean, we had to do what we had to do, you know? I think the other thing that uh, people these days are, are probably spoiled a little bit, uh, back years ago we didn't have access to the quality of, first of all, aftermarket ECUs we see now, but also just as importantly the tuning tools, uh, wideband air fuel ratio meters were incredibly expensive and, and quite rare, knock equipment was unheard of, so you've seen some uh, advances in the industry that have made our jobs easier? 
Absolutely. I mean, the, the wide band is probably number one. I mean, back with the Dodge Daytona days, we would look at the narrow band voltage, you know, we would check spark plugs, we would do everything we could. But, uh, I mean, the advancements in technology is, is what is making these cars so fast. You know, it's not it's not really the, the tuners, it is, but it, the, the technology is driving it. Um, and it's just great to be a part of and great to see. So at which point did you decide, no, this is for me, and, and decide to take the leap and actually open your shop? Uh, I had a full-time job, like I said, doing something else. I was actually a karate instructor. And uh, it was great. It was fun. And I started doing the car thing as a hobby on the side. And, you know, I'd get done working the 40 or 50-hour week. And then we'd go do the car thing for 10 or 20 hours a week. And then uh, I got offered a full-time position and decided to take it. So. So... With that full-time position, did this give you then the opportunity to really advance your, your knowledge and your experience? Yeah, the, the shop that I got the full-time position at uh, specialized in Evos and DSMs. And when I got there, I was kind of uh, the person that was the most knowledgeable as far as tuning is concerned. So I was able to jump right into the tuning position, and, and that's really where it took off. Now, moving forward to modern days with particularly the Red Demon, I mean, getting a, a car like that to run seven zeros at 200 plus mile an hour is, is challenging. And at this point, there's not a lot of people out there doing this, so you really are in uncharted territory. And what have you sort of seen as the, the biggest progression that's allowed to you, you to go that fast? Uh, the biggest progression, I would say there would be two two big things in my book that that allow the industry to progress so fast and recently you know especially in the past couple years turbocharger technology and engine management technology both of those have just been leaps and bounds i mean 10 years ago you would you would say you know we're going to have 2000 horsepower street cars that are driving around you would say no way but i mean it's a reality we got one sitting right here you know so it's it's the turbochargers and it's the the engine management systems yeah, 100%. I, I would completely agree on both of those points. I, I think the turbochargers, what we've seen now is that, uh, yes, you could get a turbocharger back uh, years ago, 10 years ago maybe, that would support the kind of power that we're seeing. But the problem with it was that the response that you would see, uh, you wouldn't be seeing full boost until you were basically right on the rev limiter. So we're seeing turbochargers that are now supporting massive amounts of airflow, but uh, just as importantly, or maybe more importantly, they're also providing incredibly wide power ranges so you can actually use all of that power. Now, in terms of the engine management advances, can you sort of delve into that in a little bit more detail and maybe let us know some of the specific that you see have been so important? Sure. I mean, well, if you talk about the Hall Tech and the Red Demon, you know, some of the stuff that we've integrated um, that would be newer to the industry is, you know, the flat shift, being able to use the strain gauge. Um, we've got a race time rev limiter built into it in first gear to get the car to kind of, you know, calm the wheel speed down, um, boost by gear and time, you know, stuff like that. And with the Hall Tech, it's really nice because you can build a table with the X and the Y axis, and you can just make it whatever you want. So if there's something you want to control that's not in the software, it's really easy to build it yourself, and you don't have to call Haltech and get a bunch of support, which they do support very well. But, you know, they able, be, me being able to set up those tables myself and be, being able to achieve the goal without the assistance of somebody else makes it so much more seamless and so much uh, more efficient for me, especially when I'm working on a customer's car. 
Let's just jump back and, and unpack a couple of those things you've mentioned there. So first of all, the strain gauge, and I think this is really a key one. Uh, we've just talked about turbo technology, and the turbos have uh, provided wider power bands, but ultimately, uh, when you're making uh, 1,800 horsepower out of Red Demon, so you know, you've still got a relatively narrow power band, and generally on the gear shift, if you have to use a clutch back off the throttle to change gear, you're going to find that that turbo is going to drop back off boost, and it takes a long time to get back up on boost. So the strain gauge, can you talk us through how that system works and how it keeps that turbo on boost during the pass. Sure, well with the Red Demon we're basically right on the edge of making the power that we want but with the response that we need. So basically what happens is we had the smaller turbos on there and the response was great, we wanted more power, we stepped up and we finally found the point to where the response isn't quite there that we need. So the strain gauge kind of gave us that response back um, and basically what it allows us to do is when you pull the shifter, you basically preload it slightly, and then it cuts the ignition, allows the car to come out of gear and go into the next gear, and you're not closing the throttle plate, slowing the turbo down. Um, it's basically just an ignition cut that allows the, the gear change to happen quick, efficient, and then it, the boost doesn't fall off because of it. And important to note here, you can't do this with a conventional synchromesh style factory gearbox. This is something that can only be employed to, to a good effect on a dog engagement gearbox where uh, you can shift without using the clutch and this just allows you to stay at full throttle. Now importantly here as well on the Red Demon, you are still running an H-pattern gearbox as well, whereas we normally see strain gauges, not always, but normally they're applied to uh, a sequential gearbox. So important to note here, you can use them on an H-pattern, it's just that it can only be used for detecting the upshift. It can't really distinguish between an upshift and a downshift. Is that, that reasonable to say? Well, the, the strain gauge knows up and down. So I'm sure you can integrate it and do some downshifting. I know the road race guys do that. But as far as drag racing concerned, that, that's, that's nothing that we're, we're trying to do. Okay, so a couple more things that you mentioned there. You are talking about the uh, boost by gear and sure. also timer-based boost. So uh, again, launching a car off the line, you can't really launch with full power. Uh, you just end up going straight into wheel spin. So let us know how you're using that technology. Yeah, I mean, we're using a 26-inch 8.5 tire, so we're limited on the amount of traction that we have. And basically, the, the way you get the car to hook is just taper the power down a lot at the beginning of the pass and then ramp it in. So, you know, boost based on time and gear is what we use, and that allows us to basically hook the car, get it to ET the best it can, and then apply the power later down the track. So can you tell us, sort of in rough terms, what boost pressure you're leaving the line with and, and what are you seeing as you go across the finish line? Sure, uh, on the Red Demon we leave roughly, it all depends on track conditions and a lot of different... Um, uh, all, all depends on the, the conditions of the track and the car at the time. Yeah, the, Everything obviously varies, but you know, let's give us some rough numbers. Uh, we leave the line at about 20 pounds of boost. Um, first gear is about 40. Second gear, we target full boost, but it doesn't quite see it because of the load. And then third gear, um, 70 plus. Fourth gear on a good track, 80 plus. That's a fairly large spread. Safe to say you're probably also using CO2 control to get that sort of spread? Actually, we don't have to. With the Precision Turbo, the back pressure is low enough to where we can... Gate pressure is 30 pounds, and it's only a you know 55% duty cycle at 80 plus. So, I mean... We haven't reached the limit of how much boost it's going to make. Uh, we've kind of reached the limit of how much abuse our parts can take. There's always got to be some limit in there. Uh, the last thing that you mentioned there that I wanted to dive into was your uh, timer-based RPM through first gear. So let us know how that works. Well, in, 
instead of you releasing the clutch and having just one rev limiter, which would you know be, be great for burnouts, yeah. but this allows you to, on a time-based scale, adjust your rev limiter. So you let the clutch out, and you have the rev limiter maybe just above your launch control and hold it for a while. And then based on time, you just slowly ramp it up to your main rev limiter, and it basically controls the wheel speed of the car out of first gear. So basically just preventing that, that car going straight up onto the main engine rev limiter as soon as you leave the line and just sitting there wheel spinning. Do you want to take your car knowledge game to the next level? Join us in the next free lesson at hpacademy.com free and start developing your own skills today. Where do you see the uh, end goal with the Red Demon in particular? How fast can you actually see that car going? Um, my end goal with the car used to be a bottom seven second pass until we went 7-0. So, I mean, we've, we've got to try and go sixes with it. That was the goal here in Texas. I injured my hand, wasn't able to drive the car, so we had to change those plans. But we will be back and we will be shooting for a six second pass. And unfortunately, there is the, uh, the problem with drag racing that as soon as you eclipse one goal, uh, there's always another. Yeah. Uh, but right now, you're sitting right on that bubble being the first into the sixes, and, and it's hard to see how you're not going to manage that uh, in the fairly near future. And once you've got that six-second pass being the first, I think that's probably a pretty good achievement in itself. If you retired the car, then probably be no disrespect from anyone. Look... On the, on the horizon in terms of what you see in terms of uh, other advances that are coming out with ECUs that are going to help us as tuners, what, what do you sort of see there that, that could be coming up that's going to be beneficial? Uh, I think what I have been seeing is, is basically fa uh, faster processing speeds. So you, you demand something of the ECU and it doesn't take so long for the ECU to do it or it could do it more efficiently, um, it could do it more precisely. So processing speed along with obviously building the software that supports that. But um, especially with the MoTeC, I see, I see that a lot, you know, versus tuning it on a stock ECU versus the MoTeC. I mean, the processing speed is unbelievable. The amount of corrections that it can make in a split second is, you know, with these cars, how they're going so fast. Yeah, I think that's something that, that often is overlooked and a lot of people think that any ECU is essentially going to deliver the same amount of fuel and the same ignition timing, so we're going to see the same power. And to a degree under steady state conditions, that's absolutely correct. But of course we're not operating under steady state conditions, it's very dynamic and we've got some of these engines that can change engine RPM Massive and massive amount of RPM in a very short space of time. So the ability for that ECU to recalculate on the fly and uh, maybe adjust the ignition timing so it's absolutely correct and the fueling uh, does make such a difference to the consistency of the way the engine runs. Look, Devin, it's been really interesting to get some insight into uh, your history, how you got to be a tuner, and also a little bit of history into Red Demon, a car that I've been uh, personally following for a fair while now. Uh, we look forward to seeing you make that dive into the sixes, and if someone wants to find out more about Boost and Performance, how can they reach out? Uh, well, we're on boostandperformance.com, uh, Boost and Performance on Facebook and Instagram. Great. Thanks for the chat there, Devin, and good luck for the rest of the weekend. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to leave us a review on whatever platform you've chosen to listen to it on. It goes a long way to helping us get the word out there. All these conversations and much more are also available in full on our High Performance Academy YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe. It's a one-stop shop when it comes to automotive education that's perfect if you want to learn how to make your car go faster, stop quicker and handle better.